0: Hey there, I'm Eric J. Olson. And I'm Kevin Daisy. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. Hey, everybody, it is Eric J. Olson for another episode that we're doing live for the Managing Partners podcast. And I'm in my new office with a beautiful white wall behind me. There will be wallpaper there eventually. But for now, it's just white and primed and ready for wallpaper. So over the next couple of episodes, you're going to see some changes. But that is not the exciting part of today. The exciting part is my guest, Ivan Wasserman. Hey, Ivan, how you doing? I'm great, Eric. I I have a white wall, too, but we have one piece of art on the wall. <laughs> so um morar pai yeah yeah, yeah. You went out to me. Well, let me tell the audience a little bit about you, and then uh, then we'll uh, chat a little bit. So Ivan Washman is the managing partner of one of the nation's leading regulatory and intellectual property law firms with offices in Chicago and Washington, D.C., and one new mystery office that just opened today, which we're going to hear about in a moment. They represent a sophisticated client base, including Fortune 500, middle market, and emerging companies in the food, dietary supplement, cosmetic and medical device industries. He was also included in Best Lawyers in America from 2007 through 2021. That's a long run. Good for you. And, <laughs> I like this part too, because you know we're a digital marketing and advertising company. And named 2018 and 2020 Advertising Lawyer of the Year for Chicago. My guest today is Ivan Wasserman. Welcome to the show, Ivan. Thank you very much, Eric. It's a pleasure to be on. i love what what you're doing and looking forward to our conversation. Well, cool. Thanks for making time for us. So a mystery new office. What's that all about?
1: So uh, just today, it's a very momentous day for me to be on the Managing Partners podcast because my my management uh, has increased. Uh, Today, our firm uh, announced that we opened an office in Los Angeles. All right. So now we are truly a, what I like to call a national boutique uh, law firm with offices now in LA, DC, and Chicago. And I can talk about why LA is so strategically important to to our firm and our clients.
0: Yeah, let's, let's hear about it. That's really interesting. Yeah. So, you know, the
1: firm, the firm, as you mentioned in the bio sort of does what I do. We are really a dedicated boutique to uh, to those industries, to the food, beverage, dietary supplement, which for those of you who don't know, are sort of your your GNC you know, products, uh, herbal supplements, uh, probiotics, vitamins and minerals, those sorts of things, uh, cosmetics and medical uh, devices. What all those things have in common is they're all regulated by the Food and Drug Administration mm. and sort of the firm started out and sort of still is our core niche practice is helping on th- those FDA regulations for all that are different, but all apply to all those types of products. Um, sort of the second pillar of the firm uh, historically has been intellectual property. So that's both patent and trademark. And so if you can imagine if you're launching a brand new uh, soda, Uh, a brand new cosmetic Uh, you know those are two things that you're going to need legal help for one is how does fda regulate it and what sort of regulations do i cover my product how do i make it what can i say about it And the second thing would be intellectual property you know when you come up with a name you have to protect the brand to make sure no one else has the rights to that name And so we help with the trademark uh, prosecution and some products, not all products, certainly, but especially in the medical device area. And some of the more sort of challenge, challenge, some of the supplements and things also have patent protection issues so we can, you know, more and more. may have read about in the press, these types of products are facing litigation from consumer class action. Uh, the, The earliest cases involves natural, right? What's natural? So products that contain high fructose corn syrup, we're calling themselves natural. And sure enough, you know, high fructose corn syrup isn't aspartame. It's not wholly created in the lab, but started as corn, but it's no longer corn. It goes through all sorts of machinations and things, and people put it then in your drink or your pasta sauce were the early cases. And so lawsuits were filed against these companies, essentially claiming uh, the, that these products deceived consumers because they weren't natural, whatever natural meant. Uh, and since that time, these, the, these lawsuits have just proliferated big time. You know, it's gone beyond natural. It's gone to like, you know, no artificial colors, like not stating how much protein you have in your product the right way, you know, You know, saying your product is from California and it's really not, you name it, anything that goes on the label of a product or an advertisement is now oftentimes the subject of a lawsuit. And the vast majority of those lawsuits are filed in California for a variety. There's also something called Prop 65, which you may have heard about, which essentially says if your product exposes a consumer to any of a list of chemicals that are known to the state of California to cause cancer or reproductive harm, you got to put a warning on there. Anyone who lives in California that's listening knows that warning. problem is it's on so many products, everyone's ignoring that warning. <laughs> which is making it not as effective as it once turned out. Those That uh, is also proliferating in lawsuits. So our clients, we found, were facing lawsuits in California on an increasing basis. We worked with a California firm, you know, because we didn't do the litigation in California. We weren't barred in California. And we said, hey, let's stop, you know, if we can, sending this stuff to another law firm. Let's mm-hmm. keep it in the house. Our clients like us. Our clients want to stay with us. So as of today, we have an LA office, and now we can
0: uh, better serve our clients if they happen to find themselves facing litigation in California. That's great. As, as far as the warning label, is it like um, for things like you know plastic cups, and that this you know may may leak some sort of toxin into me, like warnings like that? Those kinds of problems? yeah,
1: warnings like that. So yeah, if
0: you ever spend time in, in California, you'll see on gas
1: stations it'll say warning. You know these this this establishment uses chemicals which are known to the state of California to cause cancer or reproductive harm. Plastics can be an issue. The main issue that our clients face is typically heavy metals. So a lot of our clients are in the natural space. Let's say it has wheat grass in a a greens drink. You've all had it, your favorite smoothie places. You know, because it's growing from the land, there's lead in in the ground. There's a a certain amount of naturally occurring lead that just leaches into grass, right? It just Uh leaches into all sorts of different things. And, uh, you know, the state of California set a very, very, very low threshold for how much lead can be uh, in a product. And so typically, typically for the sort of natural products, what trips them up, even though there's thousands of chemicals on this list are, you know, lead, cadmium, mercury, you might... I've read recently about you know rice having mercury in it and stuff like that. And, you know they're, they're very trace levels, and whether or not it actually presents a health hazard is a whole other story. But um, And the other interesting thing about Prop 65, it's very unusual in that not only can the state take an action for violating its law, but there's sort of a bounty hunter provision in there. So private attorneys can send you a notice saying, we tested your product, you don't have the warning, you need it. They have to offer the state of California the opportunity to sue. If California turns it down, and they often do, they can sue on
0: behalf of the state uh, and collect money so there's lots of little private enforcers out there that's really interesting i hadn't heard of that before so this is almost yeah. like a class action lawsuit but without the well the, the class i guess right the the masses of people
1: yeah well, I guess it is, a yeah, you're right. There's not a lot of defend named plaintiffs, but I guess, yeah, the, the settlement amounts can relate to sales, right? Depending on how many products you sold in California that needed the warning without the warning. That's, wow, that's what
0: I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. How, how did you get into the niche that you're in, which is basically <laughs> all around FDA regulation? Since I was born, Eric, I've, just kidding.
1: Uh, Something <laughs> I, I always dreamed
0: about doing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How does anyone get into what they what they do these days? Um, no, you know, like everyone else, it's really chance, luck, fortune, whatever. You know, I, I went to law school probably for the for the wrong reasons because like I didn't want to be a doctor, and that was really my only other choice. And uh, you know, I'm not I'm not a litigators. So we have wonderful litigators at our firm. It's really not in my DNA. I ended up i grew up in connecticut i moved to washington dc for law school where i where i still am and once i was in dc there's these niche regulatory practices that don't really exist in the rest of the country and while i was in law school i actually clerked and ended up working at a healthcare law firm uh, doing Medicare reimbursement work, uh, which is pretty much as uh, interesting as it sounds. You know, I met with my partner when I was an eager young law student. I said, well, what, what class should I take third year in law school to prepare me to be a Medicare reimbursement lawyer? And he looked at me straight in the eye and he said, accounting, I knew right then and there that wasn't for me. I'm sort of a creative, fun guy. And then, you know, 1995 rolls around and I answer an, an ad in the, the legal times back then. Things were in print. It wasn't all Craigslist and online uh, for a for a job as an FDA advertising attorney uh, associate at a really exciting little boutique that was run by a brilliant woman who used to be general counsel of the FDA. And I said, that's a, that's a law. People pay you to you know read Estee Lauder's advertisement and rewrite it. Uh, that's, that's a career. And Clyde had the job and the rest, as they say, is history. My sort of path took me from that boutique to big law and I spent most of my career in, in big law firms. Uh, right before this boutique, I was man I was an I was a managing partner. I was managing partner of a of a, the Washington D.C. office of Manatt Phelps & Phillips, which is a, a national firm. And you know, at that firm, I, I was a niche guy. I was a niche practice within this large firm that did banking to entertainment. Yeah. My little weird practice of dietary supplements, <laughs> and then about five years ago, I sort of got the bug to uh, do something different, you know, and uh, sort of wanted to be a small business owner, which is what a which is what a small firm managing partner is. And I knew this firm; they were only in Chicago at the time. It was started by uh, Rakesh Amin, my partner, who was actually a Walgreens pharmacist. He, he put himself through law school while while being a pharmacist full time, and so he, through the pharmacy connections and through other connections, sort of fell into this type of law. And I saw what those guys, what they were doing in Chicago, really making a name for themselves. And five years ago, joined and started the D.C. office. And we're now four or five in Washington, about twenty, twenty-two in Chicago. And now we're two in Los Angeles as of today.
0: That's excellent. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about advertising and marketing. So you, you clearly have a background in, in advertising, which is great. How do you go about getting new clients? You know, it's a great question. And... That's when I
1: think about, obviously, especially as a small firm, you know, it's hard to compete on the budget for uh, the big law firms that we're competing with. And so, you know, you get creative. We, we recently started something called Amin in a Minute, uh, which is a play that I came up with on Amin, which is the first name of the firm, in a minute. And they're and one minute videos, literally one minute. We, we put a little countdown clock. So, you know, people... You know, people enjoy podcasts, but people don't have a lot of time. So I figured let's just do a snippet. And uh, we've had some fun with that. We post those on, on LinkedIn and on a YouTube channel. You know, we speak a lot. My whole career, I've done a lot of speaking. We try to write articles. We get picked up in the press. We uh, attend trade shows. You know, there's tons of wonder. You know, twist my arm, there's trade shows with just people selling their new food products, you know, and I get to walk around and say, hey, do you need a lawyer? But, you know, you know, as, as I Eric, you know, m- advertising and all those sort of proactive things are important, but I would say we get 90% of our clients through referrals, you know, and you get referrals for doing great work for, for your clients, doing great work. For anyone who ref- for the clients of anyone who refers to you and uh, you know doing all that stuff I think is important not to maybe get a client on the first instance but when you when someone else is referring them to you hey you know you should use a mentality Wasserman having that not be the first time they heard of your name is incredibly important oh I know those guys you know I like what they're doing on LinkedIn uh, I know those guys you know I like I heard one of them speak at a conference you know oh yeah those guys seem like they you know what they're doing so yeah we uh, we're, we're very fortunate
0: to have great uh, relationships with industry leaders. And uh, and, it, and it's been wonderful. It's great. I, and I totally agree. Referrals are the best source of new business by far. They're very, very powerful, but you're right. You don't want it to be necessarily the very first time that a prospect has heard of you. So you need to create a little bit of brand awareness. And then that referral just validates everything that they were thinking about. When they thought about you in the, in the first place yeah I, th-
1: I think and i thought about that before this 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 conversation because you know i, I kindly provided me some of these questions uh and, and you know and, and it's really the first time it, it came to mind because uh you know yeah you, you, know, you can speak all you want i speak to hundreds and hundreds of people you know the amount of time right after that i get a new client you know i can probably count on so so the question is do you keep doing it and the answer is yes of course you keep doing it yes you of course you keep posting and working on SEO and all that great stuff. But at the end of the day, if you got 12 hours in a day, most of that time, all the time that you need to should be spent on doing great work for your for your clients because they're the ones who are going to tell others. About yeah,
0: I totally agree. <laughs> Uh, you know, as far as the, the different kinds of things that you could do with your time, you mentioned a lot of different things, right? So like SEO, you mentioned blogging, you mentioned uh, the women of videos, which I think is fantastic. You mentioned LinkedIn, so social media, a lot of different things that other managing partners could try. If someone wasn't doing any of those things, where would you maybe recommend that they start? Like which one of those things or, or maybe something else Do you would you recommend that they try to start to generate that brand awareness.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it certainly depends on what industry you're in. If you're in, if, if you're just a general litigator that'll do anything, or a general tax guy that'll do anything, you know, I guess that's to me a lot more challenging, right? Uh, but if you're in a niche industry, I think the best place to get the brand awareness is being where the companies are. So yeah, it's great to attend ABA things. You know, you get referrals from other law firms. You know, wonderful. It's great to attend other things, but to, you know, to go to, if you're in the cement business, you know, to go to the cement trade shows, just to shake hands, to take people out to dinner, to just call, don't be afraid to call the media. The trade press media these days, everyone's looking for content. No one's turning away free content. So you know, people are afraid. Well, if I write an article, uh, why would they publish my article? Try them. You know, they'd be flattered. If there is trade press covering your industry and you hear about a story idea, write the reporter. Say hey, and you get you start to get quoted. You develop a relationship. Uh, it's never been easier to through the internet to, to get your name out there. You know, uh, LinkedIn is great. It's the best. Facebook. You know, I don't normally post business stuff on Facebook. I like to keep those two things separate. My dog has her own Facebook page. Who's sitting? at my feet. But uh, today I posted about the LA office just because it was so so exciting and I probably got, you know, 80 likes and congratulations.
0: Yeah, that's uh, great. Yeah. But, so, you know, you mentioned going to conferences before walking around. Uh, these are like beverage conferences and whatnot. And, and you, you clearly have a, a pretty good, a really good sense of, of who your ideal prospects are. And, uh, you know, a, a sales trainer told me years ago, you know, first identify your ideal prospect and then figure out where they hang out and mm-hmm. go there. And so that's exactly what you've done uh, with, with the conference. Is just what you've done with the LA office, it makes a lot of sense. So uh, that sounds like a, a, a pretty strong strategy for for getting new prospects. And you know, you did mention referrals before and I, and I acknowledge that referral is absolutely the best way uh, to get new clients. And one of the things about referrals, though, is that it's sometimes difficult to turn up that demand or to predict when those referrals are going to come. Uh, no matter what, when they come, you want them. Uh, but at least with other things like creating brand awareness uh, or even advertising campaigns, uh, you're you're in some control. You may not get the results like you would get with a referral, but you're in control and you can turn it up, you can turn it down. Couldn't agree more. Yeah,
1: I mean, just relying on referrals and just stopping marketing is, I think, a recipe for, for disaster you know, we all want, you know, as much work as we have, we always want more work, more brand awareness. So even when times are good, we're, we're out there hustling, which is uh,
0: very important. Yep. And now you be hustling
1: in LA, which was the big move. So yes. Yes. Uh, we're so excited. Uh, two great litigators joined us. One, William Cole was actually the former head of the criminal division for the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office in Southern California. Before representing Supplement Company, he was literally prosecuting Al-Qaeda. Uh, <laughs> so if that doesn't make the plaintiff's lawyer's Scared? What will? Uh, no, we're, we're we're thrilled and honored that, that both Matt joined us. That's Getting cool. our name out there, which is, you know, again, with a smaller firm, it's easier in a smaller industry than I think if you're a small firm in a big industry to create a national reputation. And maybe smaller firms in, are more focused on a local market, which is great. You know, we're focused on really a, a global market,
0: which uh, which is a lot of fun. We're having a lot of fun. Is is the message I want everyone to take away from this? I'm sure that you're very focused on the LA office right now and integrating with the other offices. But uh, if you had to think maybe like one or two or three years ahead and without giving away the secret sauce, of course, what was kind of like your your next move, you think?
1: Geographically, we don't have anything specifically prepared. I think we really do want to to expand our litigation capabilities even more Uh, in California. You know, two, I don't think we want to stop with two attorneys. We want to have a fully functional, you know, office there. And not to say it's not functional now, but to keep going. Interestingly, someone on Facebook said, when's your Colorado office opening and a Colorado office is sort of interesting, uh, mainly because have you been following this hemp and CBD and all that stuff? So, so CBD, you know, which is the part of the cannabis plant that doesn't get you high, but it has medicinal values, is just exploding, and we do a lot of work in that space, as you can imagine. And Colorado does have sort of a, a very high concentration of people in that space and people in the natural food space in general. So you never know. Don't want to give it away.
0: Yeah, and that, that industry is. Um it's growing. So I'm yeah. in Virginia, which is mm-hmm. uh, the middle of the Bible belt. Yep. And I was shocked when I found out that as of July 1st, you're going to be able to grow your own plants. You can carry up to an ounce, which sounds like a lot to me. <laughs> 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 uh, I mean, not that I've ever seen it or anything, but no, no, um, no, 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 no. yeah, but it, it, it's surprising that it's, it's spreading like, well, like a weed, like a weed. Yeah. 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 There's firms out there that are just serving the uh, can't.
1: That's, that's like marijuana industry because every state has its own regulations and it's a big, big emerging market in the legal. Uh, we're, we we generally stay away from marijuana. this the high stuff and focus on the stuff that you can actually still put in food and stuff, which is the CBD stuff. It's just a little bit of a different niche. Niches within niches, as you know, Eric.
0: Very, very powerful. The, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think that's um, you know, something we touched on a, a couple of times in this interview but um, yeah niches is where the riches are ah, uh, I like it but it, it's um, it, it seems very like a very powerful business uh, tactic. Uh, it's also kind of a scary one because you feel like you're limiting yourself to a particular niche, but the more accurate that you can identify who your prospects are, who you do really good work for, uh, the, the the more likely it is that you'll get their attention and you'll get within that community. So it makes a lot of sense. And yeah, niches within niches. Yeah, I, I, I'm 100% on board with that. I think it's great. Great, yeah. Well, awesome, Ivan. If someone wants to reach out and get in touch with you, what is a good way to do that?
1: My email address or my law firm, uh, my email address is just Ivan at AminTalati.com. The website is AminTalati.com, A-M-I-N-T-A-L-A-T-I.com.
0: i uh, love to hear from anyone who wants to chat. Awesome, Ivan. Uh-huh. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Eric. This has been a lot of fun. All right, everybody. If you would like to watch or listen to more episodes like this, go check us out at arraylaw.com slash podcast. And if you are a managing partner looking to spice up your digital marketing, you can find out more about my company, Array Digital at ArrayLaw.com. All right, Ivan. Hey, man, I appreciate it. No problem. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Eric. You got it.